You're listening to the CD Baby. CD Baby. CD Baby DIY Musician Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 124 of the CD Baby DIY Musician Podcast. My name is Kevin Bruner, your host for the show. And on today's episode, we're going to hear from Brian Thompson. Brian can be found online at thornybleeder.com or under the Twitter handle thornybleeder. Brian is a music marketing coach, and uh, we'll be talking about how to get people to listen to your music. But before that, I want to remind you that we do have a listener line that you can call in and leave a comment, ask a question. Uh, The number is 360-524-2209. Go ahead and call that. Leave your question or comment on the the voicemail there, and we'll try and get it on a future episode of the podcast. And uh, you can also email us at podcast at cdbabypodcast.com. We've been getting some great questions about CD Baby Pro and music publishing that we'll be using in an upcoming uh, CD Baby Pro music publishing Your Questions Answered episode. So if you have any more questions about that that you want to submit, that'd be great. Or if you want to just... Give us a a shout out or request a topic that we cover or even recommend someone that we interview on the show. We'd love to hear that. Just uh, feel free to give us a call or an email. Well, let's get to my interview with Brian. Well, joining me is Brian Thompson. Brian, how you doing? Doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Before we jump into conversation, why don't you uh, give everybody a little background about who you are and what you've been doing? Yeah, well, I run uh, I run a couple of websites online. I'm frequently known as Thorny Bleeder. That is uh, my Twitter handle and pretty much any other social platform. If you add a slash Thorny Bleeder to it, I'll probably pop up and I'll be there. <laughs> is there a story uh, behind that? Uh, there is, and it really, I, I, Thorny Bleeder originated, uh, seven years ago now as a, as a record label, um, as an independent record label. And, uh, the two co-founders, um, I came on board uh, literally a week after they've made the name. <laughs> <laughs> and now, uh, so anyway, they, they took their two names and they threw it into like an internet word jumble machine and it spit out, you know, like whatever, 12,000 different word combinations from what you could make with, uh, with the letters. And uh, Thorny Bleeder kind of stood out as just being like, what the hell is that? Um, <laughs> and it was just something that was uh, memorable and like kind of ambiguous and it was like, okay, well, yeah, sure, let's go with that. So uh, a week later, that's, uh, that's what I adopted. <laughs> well, cool. Well, I, I, I've been wondering that for a while, so continue on with your... Uh... So yeah, so I run uh, I run Thorny Bleeder. It is uh, pretty much just it did like I said it did start off as a record label, um, primarily as a, a means to to promote and distribute a band that I worked with uh, for quite a couple few years, uh, Art of Dying, who are now signed to Warner and um, getting ready to record their new next album with Warner. Um, but after they moved on to Warner, I then developed uh, Thorny Bleeder and to sign some other bands to the label and started managing acts. And then eventually I decided that um, that just really wasn't uh, the right thing for, for what I wanted to do. Um, so now it's really evolved into um, a consultation, music consultation business. Um, 
and I do a, a lot of uh, social media work, um, a lot of uh, – I blog all the time. I podcast all the time. I'm really uh, mainly just to, to help educate and inform artists now and um, help them figure out uh, how to market and promote themselves. Well, excellent. Um, well, we're glad to have you on the show. And you and I talked a couple weeks back and we're um, bouncing around a couple topic ideas. And, and uh, where we kind of landed on was uh, the idea of how to get people to listen to your music. And uh, I was kind of reflecting on that, you know, when preparing for the interview and thinking, you know, that throughout time, that's always been the, the hardest part for the artist is getting people to actually take a listen. But it's definitely changed as we've moved into the digital era. And, I, you know, on one hand, become easier. And on the other hand, um, become a little bit harder because there's so much noise out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's never been easy. Um, and I think sometimes, I think with technology, it's, we've assumed it's become easier, uh, because, um, because it's, it's, if you know that it's there, it, it actually is easy to listen to it, but getting someone to listen to it is, is the real hard part. Um, Yeah. Oh, go ahead. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, before, you know, obviously before there was mass distribution, before you could point anyone just to, to a URL, um, you'd have to, you know, try to get a physical copy in their hands and try to get someone's address and try to convince someone to review you so that someone else might want to go into a record store and order it or um you know, a lot of purchases were made by people reading reviews in magazines before. And obviously that uh, scenario doesn't really exist anymore. It's the dynamics have really changed. And um, now so much of an artist's life is trying to convince someone to click a link. Yep. That really is one of the biggest jobs of a of a new developing artist is getting someone to click a link. And that kind of, I think, when you look at it that way, that kind of changes the dynamics of how you're going about this chore. Um, because let's face it, everyone kind of, everyone loves music. Everyone wants to be exposed to great new bands, but how do you convince them to press play on your track instead of that other track. Yeah, and it is an interesting uh, kind of place we're at as far as music promotion and how it seems so easy that everyone's just a click away from your music at the same time, trying to convince them that it's worth clicking on. Just thinking about, uh, you know, here at CD Baby, we monitor a lot of, you know, different Twitter feeds and a lot of people use our handle when posting links. And just how many people do such a terrible job of <laughs> trying to get someone to to click on a link to hear their music. It's just, it's really entertaining, especially being in marketing myself. You kind of see, you know, common mistakes. But at the same time, it's just like sometimes people are just downright offensive. <laughs> and I'm like, what were you expecting people to do? Well, yeah. I mean, sometimes the way it's positioned is that you can literally see the the artist on the other end wringing someone's neck. Listen to my link. <laughs> Listen to my link. And I just got to that doesn't work, you guys. That does not work. You can't force people to hit play. You can't batter them over the head with a MP3. You can't yell and scream at people. It's, and I think one of the reasons is that, you know, you, 
a new album gets pushed out there and there is just, you know, so much time and effort and money um, went into creating the album that you just want it heard. So I get that. And there's a, you know, always there's sent, uh, some type of sense of urgency that, you know, you, you want to get things rolling as, as soon as possible. You want your first bunch of reviews. You want your first batch of sales. You, everyone wants to go viral and all that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it, <laughs> there, there's a, lot, a, a huge lack of patience when really that's the main thing you need is patience, you need to just really hold someone's hand online and hold it for quite a while and gradually lead them to your track. Uh, there's so much pressure on, again, just listen to my track right now when really it might take uh, a month of very casual grooming to intrigue someone to finally click a link. And if you're patient and if you're not hammering people over the head and if you're continually positioning yourself to be an intriguing um, personality, then that is going to get you into the place where eventually someone's going to go, you know what? This guy, I don't know. There's, I, I got to check this. I got to, I got to listen to this. He's, there's just something about this. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's those hard cells that never, never work. No one likes to be sold to. Yeah. Or yelled at, because a lot of times I feel like I'm being yelled at. But it is interesting because, you know, when you start posting online and building a following, and even when you have a following, it it becomes real easy, like you're saying, to get impatient and just say, go listen now. And And depending on who you are, that may or may not work. If you're an enormous artist with a huge following that's been waiting and waiting for the the next release, of course, that message is fine. But if you're an independent artist who's trying to build, um, I don't know, kind of build some mystique, a story, whatever, it seems like uh, artists are so quick to just kind of cheapen themselves with the way they promote them, you know, their own music as opposed to just building a story around it. Totally. And they're doing themselves a disservice by pre- putting so much pressure on the music and the link that they're sharing. Now, I want to Again, it's we're positioning this to being that if you want your music heard, most for the better part, they need to click a link. So that means that a huge portion of your life is now um, reduced to online profiles and little files. They're not even files. It's again, it's a link that's being passed around. So if you have, as an artist, if you have been ignoring your online profiles until the day that your new album is released then why would anyone want to click on your link today if you haven't even been on your profiles in the last two months or six months or hardly ever have been? So really what I'm positioning this into is uh, a call for people to regularly be on their profiles and not be selling, be on them, provide value to people, uh, make them care so that when you do have something to promote, there's going to be people there that are already listening to you. Because if no one is there to listen, then you're just going to be yelling at an empty room. (laughs) And that's true. Yes, yes. So, and, you know, one of the things that I 
you know, anybody in social media is always talking about is, you know, you need to, it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint is a common term, right? Which is why we always say, you know, the day that you go into the studio is the day that you should start marketing your album. So, and you can start by, you know, taking Instagram photos and start by teasing, should we go with this title? Should we go with this title? Give little snippets of, um, of lyrics and can uh, create a steady stream of content that teases and intrigues over not just days, but weeks and months. So that eventually, for those people that have been paying attention, when your album does come out, you're not having to sell them, you're actually informing them. So now you're saying, please listen to my track. You're saying, the track that I've been telling you about for six months is finally here. Mm-hmm. And now there's people who, who have been waiting for it because you have built up this really great multimedia story over days and weeks, over Instagram and YouTube and blogs and interviews and teaser videos and live performances. And it's all built up to hopefully this audience that cares enough about you um, to go want to hit that link. Yeah, and you bring up a, a good point about talking to an empty room. There's two things there. One, nothing annoys me more than uh, when I'm, I see a fo- someone I follow online somewhere just pop up and broadcast something they want me to do and then disappear again for until they six months later when they have something else they want me to do. It, it's, it's irritating to the people that are following you when you do that. But also... The interesting thing is if you're not online engaging both like Facebook and Twitter, and it'll probably happen with more social networks as they're just trying to juggle so much data. If you're not online participating, they're starting to show your posts to less and less people. So if you're not actually engaging, uh, your reach is going to be severely limited. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, a good example is, you know, a lot of the work that I end up getting is from people who have been seeing my name slide across their screen, whether it be on Twitter or, or Instagram or all of the different profiles I'm on. And they've been watching my stuff for like a year. And then finally, a moment clicks and they're like, and they reach out to me. And it's always, they reach out to me because of whatever. I might share like something completely, like I, re- I rarely actually promote myself. I I like to educate and inform and through that educating and informing it reminds people that oh yeah Brian's out there maybe I sh- maybe I could talk to him so that it's if your name isn't regularly appearing in people's feeds then you're forgotten about so if you only swoop in when you have something to sell then you're kind of you're not really seen as as um as one of their, I don't know, as, as a friend, it's just like it's, you're abusing that relationship almost if the only time you pop up is to ask for something. Yeah, yeah. The, the interesting thing I find with artists, and I've been there myself on, on, I think, pretty much every release I've been a part of, it's like you spend all this time in the studio and it's really easy to get busy and, and kind of neglect kind of the storyline that's there that's pretty intriguing to non-musicians because they don't quite understand kind of the magic that happens to bring it all together. And they love to see inside, you know, insider 
takes on what's happening. But then from the point the record's done to the release, just to go crazy and want everyone to just instantly rush out and build anticipation for what you're doing. And then when the album comes out, it seems like when the time to start really like taking the story to the next level, they kind of peter out and like, well, that was that and kind of start to just play their shows and move on. Um, so it's kind of interesting that the, the artists, from where I've experienced, it seems like they're not taking advantage of this whole, what I would consider like this whole arc in their story of uh, this, you know, these, this chapter of this new release and, and, and just kind of cheapen it to just little one-off uh, little promotions here and there. Well, totally. And, you know, I think you, you used a very important word, um, and that was story. Um, a large part of great marketing is storytelling. You're not selling, you're telling a story and you're hopefully telling, crafting a story that someone actually wants to be a part of. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't been telling a story and your story begins at the day you start yelling at people online because you just <laughs> released it on the same day, or same day as 10,000 other people released their album, there is nothing to care about. You have to give people a reason to care. And enough of the, you know, people have to stop this, uh, these, um, you know, oh, you you know, you gotta, you gotta hear us to, to hear what we're about, or like, the, um, we're unlike anything you've ever heard before. And, you know, <laughs> of course it's language like that isn't helping you either. Yeah. Like very, very few people are unlike anything you've ever heard before. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yes. <laughs> I once, I once had a, saw an artist email us here at CD baby saying that they're music was so unique their lead singer had never been influenced by anything because he had never heard any music before he started writing music i was like oh, you have got to be kidding me yeah. there's no way that's even possible not only that it probably isn't very good you're just basically saying that we aren't good <laughs> yeah uh so i get back but back to storytelling that i mean it really that's why i say like when whenever you even um it marketing never ends and it if it never ends, and really, it never, it doesn't really have a beginning either until well, maybe the, the day that you name your band. <laughs> like, it really should be a continual, ongoing story. And um, certain chapters, you want the reader to, to uh, I don't know, to, to finish on their own. So it's like, okay, here, I've opened up the book halfway. And now here's the rest of it. But you have to hit play if you want to hear the rest of it because this is music after all. Mm -hmm. But you have to build up that intrigue. You have to uh, – I know this is an overused term in marketing and social media these days. But it's a fact is that so much of it is built on relationships. And it doesn't mean that you have to – I'm not talking about you know, uh, hugs and kisses relationships with fans. It's like, again, people recognizing your name – um, because fans are earned one at a time mm -hmm. and they're not these batches of 10,000 people that, uh, that people seem to think exist in the online world. It's like, that doesn't happen. Every play is a person clicking that button and you're going to have to hold their hand to click it. Yeah. I, and I, I can, uh, I can hear, some some of our listeners who are newer or just starting out saying that's great 
but uh, how do I even get some somebody intrigued in the first place? Are, are there some like uh, some tangible things that you could like for an artist that's like just building a profile from the ground up, but already has music out and is just trying to get um, I don't know make some inroads and and get people to check out their music. Some like a couple of uh, uh, tangible kind of things that they can take with them and, and put into practice. Well, yeah. I mean, the first thing is to try to stop selling. I, I honestly think that uh, your your uh, an artist's um, insistence to always be selling is doing a massive disservice to them, and it immediately shuts people down, and and they won't click play. So the best thing to do is to uh, is to try to create intrigue over in whatever little community or niche that you seem to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And the best way to do that is through um, regular blogging on your website. You need to have a blog on your website. And I always recommend that that blog is your front-facing landing page. So that if you are blogging regularly, every time a, visit, a customer or a potential fan visits your site, it'll look different. And by your website looking different every time someone goes to it, there is some subconscious realization there that this is an artist who cares about what they're doing because they're Mm -hmm. regularly updating their website. And hopefully if they enjoy what you posted, then the next time they come back, it'll look different. So then it's, it's training them to keep coming back because this guy keeps on posting really cool stuff on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. But if your website looks the same today as it did a month ago, as three months ago, then why would I ever go to your website? If your website never changes, then why would I go there? Mm-hmm. So you need to give me a reason to go to visit your website beyond just your music, because hopefully, uh, well, what if I did buy your music? What if I am one of the few people that bought your music? Well, it's still you still want people to go to your website because that is eventually where you will get them to join your email list. That is eventually where you'll get them to see your tour dates or maybe your upcoming crowdfunding campaign or you know whatever you have to offer. It's going to be um, your best home for that is going to reside on your website. So you need to blog regularly and through creative blogging um, and building a story and telling and, and, you know, finding your voice in, in the world of blog writing, um, you're going to create content that becomes shareable beyond just the MP3 and anything that is shared creates a potential for someone to stumble back to where it originated from. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not saying every musician has to become a professional blogger, but you need to use your blog. There is a difference. You need to at least make an effort. A blog could even be whatever. If, if need be, it could even be a Tumblr feed. Just have something that's regularly updated that's also <coughs> optimized with, you know, with, your, with all of your other content around it so, that they don't ha- so it's right there. They don't have to go stumbling for it. And, of course, uh, the other actionable things would be to make sure that you're on Twitter. It's, um, Twitter is one of the most... Uh, game-changing things out there for anyone as long as they're actively taking steps to use it correctly. You can't just sit there and wait for people to tweet you. That doesn't work. You have to. <laughs> I mean, having an account doesn't mean that you're really a tweeter. 
<laughs> you know, so you yeah. need to actively put some time in every day to follow people that are potential fans um, or industry people who might be worth networking with, following them without selling to them, communicating with them, creating some discourse, and then slowly letting them know that, hey, yeah, I've got some new music and I've got a website and I'm a musician and check out my YouTube channel and all that kind of stuff can happen gradually, but don't shove them a a whole bunch of links all at once. They'll run away screaming. Yeah, yeah. I I could see, you know, talking about the website and blogging, first thing I would say is that a lot of artists I've talked to get frustrated when they're like, I don't know how to blog or want to blog, but it doesn't have to be writing big articles. It certainly can be if that's uh, how you express yourself, but it could be photos, it could be videos, it could be, you know, all sorts of things. It doesn't just have to be uh, just paragraphs and paragraphs of thoughts that you write down. But I, I, I know a lot of people also say, what is the point of doing all that? All I want to do is get someone to listen to my music. Um, I, just before we, uh, we, we got on the phone for this interview, I was talking to one of the guys here and saying that um, we were talking about websites related to, you know, our, one of our brands here, Host Baby. And I was talking about how frustrating it is when you go to uh, a band's website and it looks like they haven't been there in years and the the information's outdated. And I see this happen with major label artists as well. It's not just indies that have this problem. But putting it in context of this conversation, um, I don't find myself as much out there looking, going, man, I really got to find some new music, but I'm always looking for a good story. And so if I click on a link and it's band, you know a good song and then I go to the website and it just looks like it's a ghost town, you know, I make a lot of assumptions. One, they're not that serious, or maybe they broke up, or, you know, this isn't really something worth investing time and energy in. But if I go there, and I'm like, and this is a cool track, and I go to their site, and I see, like, this really cool story emerging in life, and things that kind of connect me to them, then then they have my attention. They already, already even listen to the music, but until they, you know, I kind of take it a little deeper, I'm 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 not going to become a fan. That's for sure. Totally, and you know, and I totally understand um, artists' uh, reticence to to wanting to quote become a blogger. And again, you don't need to become a blogger. You just need to have a blog, <laughs> and you need to use it. And you, this is a skill that you can learn. If you can write a freaking email, you can write a couple of sentences about that funny event that <laughs> happened at the gas station while you were filling up your band van going to last Friday's gig. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's not freaking rocket science. <laughs> write a couple of paragraphs just as if you're writing an email to your buddy and then hit publish. Put on a photo and that's it. Tell a story. You don't have to have an objective. Share some elements of your personality, of your sense of humor, your trials, your tribulations, your successes, your failures. Maybe maybe you are a passionate, uh, I don't know, Lego collector. Okay, well, share that. Maybe you can all of a sudden find a special niche in the Lego community as being one of their own. Like, seriously, <laughs> ev- whatever freaky little hobby you have, there's a corner of the web that is flourishing in that freakiness. Um, go there. 
<laughs> build a temple there. Those are your people, man. Uh, I've got a an artist who I've been working with on and off consulting and doing some work with uh, for the past oh, at least a year, if not longer. And one of the things that I've continually been talking to him about is exactly what we're talking about, is grooming him to keep blogging, dude, keep blogging. Yeah, that's great, but yeah, keep going, keep going. And I've always had it told him that eventually, you know, when you're comfortable with writing, you'll be able to start pitching articles to other websites that could all of a sudden get your name out there. I see it all the day, all the time as I'm compiling my daily newsletter. I see articles written by artists that now I know that artist's name and I'm intrigued with what they had to say, with their experiences, and I dig deeper and I'm often pleasantly surprised. Well, mm-hmm. this artist appeared on your website two weeks ago. And mm-hmm. I was so happy that after a year of like, he didn't, he really, he'd never blogged really either. Uh, his name's Ethan Collister, and he wrote a, um, a post on March 11th on your site called Music Conference Tips for Independent Artists. Oh, yeah. So here, this is a, a, a feel-good story. We, we know someone who wasn't comfortable with blogging, and then finally, you know, after, you know, at least a year of working through it, now he's on, like, a massively popular website with his name right there and a link going right to his website. That is... Uh, the part of the continual process. Now, of course, you know, that it's, it's doesn't mean that he's going to be heard by tens of thousands of people, but if you do steps each and every day like that, bit by bit, you will earn one fan at a time. And maybe this article gained him 10 fans. Well, maybe the next week he writes another article, or maybe he has an Instagram photo that gets passed around. It is really funny or, um, now, it, it's not just about being a social media rock star, but it is about the concept of putting relationships before selling. Um, I think informing and educating rather than pushing goes a long way. Um, for example, like I, I write bios, and I think some of the best bios are where you're just informing people of the facts rather than using really extravagant colorful adjectives that really <laughs> blow it up to be big what yes. it is right because <clears throat> exactly. when it's just the facts it's like okay well we can't argue with the facts and the facts have again they've created enough intrigue that I'm pretty curious so curiosity is a very powerful human emotion that can uh, really help you realize a lot of success if you know how to create curiosity in someone on the other end. Yeah, and I've seen the the example that you give of the the blog article work all the time for artists, and usually how I find out about it is through, uh, you know, we have, I don't know if you're an artist and familiar with Google Alerts. It's a, yep. it's a, it's a great tool for artists to be able to track their... Um, kind of online conversations if, you know, Google basically tells you, hey, something just was posted with your brand name or your band or whatever. Um, And so we track those things for CD Baby. And all the time we come across articles that uh, uh, a band posts and it's about a subject. It could be related to music or it might be related to some other field that are just communicating in a community on a message board. 
and just how they're talking about something, they put a link to the music, and then people are like, man, that's I loved your album. And, and they, it, you know, it's a way that people just kind of stumble across. You know, it, it's whatever the community they're participating in gives them the authority, and then with the link, it becomes something where people are intrigued and instead of feeling like they're just being you know, pitched something. But uh, yeah, we see that happen quite often here. Yeah, if you can create an environment where the person on the other end feels that they discovered you rather than they fell for your marketing, mm -hmm. um, that's a huge way of, of getting some, some, some fans. Yeah. I, and, okay. and again, that's done by not selling. Yeah. There, there's a, a quote that I like to pull out by Adam Clayton, the bass player from U2, uh, it was in Rolling Stone, I, I think it was last year, it might have been the year before. Uh, he was kind of, you know, lamenting the fact that their album didn't perform very well. And he was blaming uh, it on the fact that the single didn't do well. And uh, I don't have it in front of me, so this is probably a paraphrase of the actual quote. But he said, uh, when the single doesn't work, people don't have a way into the music, in, into the album. And uh, the thing that intrigued me by that quote is, uh, you know, U2 still kind of struggles with the same thing that every artist struggles with, although, you know, they have much bigger budgets and a way to just beat people over the head with a, you know, a pretty rabid fan base as well. Um, but, uh, but at the same time, uh, that's kind of how people should be thinking, that I'm trying to find a way for people to get into the music and just saying check out my new song isn't it but creating creating intrigue and and story and and community and, and participating in all those things gets people away into the music and then when they do they really appreciate what they hear totally and with that i mean community is such a massive part of it i mean i touched on it earlier about you know appealing to the freak the freak in you or whatever i mean that's you know one of the things that amanda palmer has done and even like lady gaga and to a much huger scale i mean you know she's she appeals to uh, a certain niche audience that uh you know some people think that she will never be able to do any wrong and that's really great for for her career <laughs> but i mean you can do that on any scale that's scalable that's what i'm talking yeah. about is she does have a real connection with her fans unlike a lot of other big stars that have no connection um so it's that community it's that sense of connection that that can really help um, foster support for what you haven't even put out yet. And I think, you know, something I always say as well is that the more that you give, the more you will give back. So, um, and I don't just mean in giving away free stuff. I mean, giving away of your time, giving away of, um, uh, of cool glimpses into a life that other people might not see, such as being in a recording studio. Very few people actually even know what a recording studio looks like or what the vibe is like or what mm -hmm. goes on there. So if you can give people glimpses into, into things that they might not be familiar with and again, give away your time, give away uh, prizes, contests, the more creative that you can be as well is also going to set you apart. Because again, if all you're doing is saying, please press play on this link, um, that's, that's not fun. People, <laughs> so many people use the web um, 
you know, to be amused, to be entertained. And if you're positioning yourself in a very dry, stale manner, um, there's a, a lot of competition for people's time and attention. So like it or not, that's what you have to compete with. You're no longer just competing with musicians. You're competing with every silly cat photo, <laughs> every every YouTube video of a skateboarder breaking their ankle or uh, – you know what I mean? Yes. So it's not just uh, competing for uh, who has the best-looking graphic uh, album cover on the CD shelf. Um, those days are gone. You, you've, you're, we're in a different game now. Like it or not, that's the way it is. So you have to step up to the new game. Yeah, yeah. You have to. Yeah. You have to. There, there is no other way around it. Um, but again, this isn't just about social media. You can still, uh, you know, are you playing constant gigs? You know, that is a way for real word of mouth to happen, like without there being an online buzz. You know, so many people... I see it time and time again where a band releases an album and then they have one home like hometown cd release show and then that's it and they don't go out on tour and then maybe they'll play another show three months later in their hometown it's like if all of your energies have been to simply create a quote product that you want to sell pretty sure that's going to fail for you (laughs) It can't be just based on selling a link or selling uh, a plastic disc. Um, your music career is about so much more than that. And it, well, it needs to be. And if it isn't about more than just the, the music, um, then you have a really um, uncompelling brand that doesn't stand up against all of the other people that are competing for your potential audience's attention. Yeah, yes, I, I would agree. It's going back to kind of what I, I mentioned at one point, kind of the way a lot of artists tend to promote themselves sort of cheapens their music and their whole brand in general a lot of times. Um, it's, you know, they they put all this effort and care and and, and heart and love into, you know, their their passion of making music and then a lot of times reduce it down to the most uninteresting <laughs> boring you know one-liner that they can think of just because they they want people to check it out right away but I I think kind of drawing in some of the live aspects you know it's interesting because I see a lot of bands they'll play they'll leave and then they just expect people to feel some sort of connection to them where then you know there's some bands that they play they go out they talk to people they give away some music you know it just building a little relationship to people and just like wanting them to uh, know that's a little bit about the album and, and get it in their hands. So they take it home and actually do listen to it and have that extra little connection that they, you know, that this art, this is an artist that cares about one, the fans, cause they were out there talking to me and, and all that. And two, that they really want me to um, enjoy their music. Yeah. And I also fans, don't want to be love and left. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So, I mean, like any good company, you you should stay in constant contact. Let, you know, touch base. How are you doing? How did you like? What's your favorite song? 
you know, how was our show last week? What do you think of our new T-shirt? You need to, again, this is all about building a community. So being a successful, having a successful career in music and getting your music heard um, isn't just about the songs that were recorded. And if it were just about the songs that recorded, granted, it would be a lot easier for everyone. But, um, it, well, it's never been that way. I mean, that's why a whole business was formed around music in the first place is let's figure out how are we going to get people to listen to this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly why the music. And then, okay, now that we got them to like it or we got them to play it now, let's get them to buy it. So really reduced down to the most basic terms that part of the industry hasn't changed. We still want people to talk about us. We still want people to, uh, hopefully play and, and to share it and, um, and to ultimately click the buy on whatever buy link it might be. Um, so as much as you need to build a story, not only for yourself, but a, a, a great story will also help you land better press. So if you go knocking on, uh, on a, reviewer's door and they actually answer and you actually do have a conversation with them well they're not going to just believe all of the propaganda that you've sent them they're actually going to go online and they're going to snoop around to see what the reality of your situation is Mm -hmm. instead of just you know reading this uh, propaganda bio that you sent them (laughs) (laughs) so if they go to google and they find that uh, nothing is happening and you haven't played any gigs and you have no merch to sell except for that one t-shirt that hasn't, that's been sitting there for five years or you don't blog, you don't tweet, you haven't Facebooked in months. They just, you know, in terms of a music critic who might have the potential to bring thousands of people to, to listen to your music, that's, uh, for them, it's like, eh, I'm going to have to pass. Sorry, guys. Great music, but... There's not a story here. Yeah. I, I think that was a, a good way to start kind of bringing it home when you start talking about a music critic, because I know a lot of artists want a music critic to check out their music. And people like Pitchfork and other websites have a considerable bit of power when it comes to, you know, they feature a band and that band's going to get a little bit of attention and possibly some sales and definitely some people uh, listening to their tracks. Um but they're not going to write about somebody that doesn't have a story. Your local paper, your local blog, the national blog, the the international music blog, nobody's going to write about you just based on the fact that you have some tracks available. There's got to be a story. So There has to be a story, and you have to write a lot of it yourself. Exactly. You can't wait. You can't assume that someone else is going to spend a day research to to write a story for you. You really need to to write it yourself. And I and I don't mean literally write it. I mean there being like a treasure map of like someone like just uh, a process of stumbling and just by glimpsing at all of your stuff, you can tell that there's a story. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. It's um. I think the main thing I want to impress upon people is that, uh, you know, it takes a lot of time and, quote, launches, product launches aren't what they used to be. Um, And they don't matter as much as they used to either. You can easily still, a year after release, have as big of a month 
12 months later in terms of digital sales or whatever as you did on the first month that you released it. In fact, I would hope that it's bigger 12 months from now because it's a slow build. So don't go for that big, huge splash. Um, it's, there's more uh, longevity in a slow build. Um, and, you know, just touching again back on the relationships with, uh, with reviewers and professional music critics, um, they, a huge part of the digital music, um, music recommendations that are happening out there are still made by these critics. Like you said, Pitchfork, they are massive tastemakers. Um, the people that program Slacker FM or, or the, the Slacker app. Uh, those are all manually curated by professionals who are in touch with the scenes that they're curating. Um, people that curate songza, those are all, you know, these are all real humans. Not everything is digitally aggregated now, um, like Pandora. There is a lot of human intervention. Um, so if you have a great story on top of having great music, that will set you above uh, the rest of the heap. Well, that sounds like a, a good place to kind of wrap this up, unless you had any other final thoughts you wanted to share before we close this out. Uh, I think the main, the, my final thoughts are going to be some typical stuff I always say, which is persistence is key. You need to do something each and every day that's going to better your tomorrows. Each and every day. Excellent. Don't well, just do something once a week. Do something <laughs> little every day because at the end of the year, that's going to be 365 really cool things. That's 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 good advice. Where can uh, artists find out more about you? Uh, thornybleeder.com is my uh, music marketing, branding, and motivational site. And uh, I've also got a daily newsletter and podcast that is found at thediydaily.com. Well, excellent. Well, it was great having you on the podcast, Brian. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. Thanks again to Brian Thompson for being on the show. Again, you can find him online at thornybleeder.com or under the Twitter handle thornybleeder. And uh, yeah, check it out. He's got lots of great things that he's uh, sharing online. Finally, just want to remind you, that we do have our listener line. The phone number is 360-524-2209. Give us a call with your comments, feedback, questions, and just remember, try and keep it, you know, on the brief side, around a minute to two minutes long so we can uh, get it on the podcast. And uh, you can also email us at podcast at cdbabypodcast.com. Well, we'll catch you next time. Bye. You've been listening to the CD Baby DIY Musician Podcast, broadcasting from Portland, Oregon, USA. 